uh, praying for the salvation of the lost. If there's one thing you can pray with real confidence, you know, there's some things we can pray about that uh, we really don't know for sure if that's God's will. You know, Lord, please help me to get a speedboat. Um, I don't know that all of us in here can pray with confidence that he wants us to have a speedboat. However, there are some things that we can pray that we know he wants to have. He, he's more interested in it than we are. And this is one of those subjects. The salvation of lost people. You can pray for people who are unsaved with confidence that God died for them already and wants them to be saved. So what a great thing to know that you're praying in God's will. You're not wasting your time or praying for something that God is not interested in, but you're rather praying for something that he is very interested in. And so today we can talk about something that's just a sure thing. It's just something that God wants to happen. And so um, we look at this today about praying for the salvation of the lost. And it says in the book, no matter what difficulty you are experiencing, God has a greater purpose than you could imagine. He desires to use your circumstances to thrust you forward for the furtherance of the gospel. His, His allowing your circumstances is to grow you or to grow the situation in you to make you more uh, of a blessing and uh, to be a blessing. So understand that. We cannot see the whole picture, and we never do. We must keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and know that we are in his hands, and he will see us through. Then Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1, uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And a very appropriate verse to be reading as we go into Thanksgiving this week. But Thanksgiving is not a holiday. It's an attitude of prayer all the time. It's an attitude we should have all the time. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. You'll notice that praying is always to be with giving thanks. With all praying also for us. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And so notice the expression in verse 3, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Our prayer life is our Christian life, and our will must be conformed to his will, and we should be praying that God would open unto us a door of utterance, that he would give us opportunity to speak and to ask God for ways in which we can share and witness. I remember hearing a man telling the story uh, of uh, being on a on a, a greyhound bus traveling, and and he was praying, Lord, do you want me to witness today? Well, that's a silly request because God always wants us to witness. He's already told us, preach the gospel to every creature. But Lord, if you want me to witness today, please give me a sign. Now, he doesn't need to give us a sign because we've already got the word of God saying that we're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature. But God, uh, I think, humored him or, or patronized him a little bit because the person that sat down next to him was obviously troubled and uh, was so troubled that... Uh, he started to cry and the man said are you okay he said no he said i'm a mess he said well is is there anything i can do for you and he said i just wish i knew more more about god do you know anything about god what an opportunity right now god doesn't necessarily do it that way for all of us but 
When we're praying for a door of utterance, we're praying that God would give us an open door. Your coworker, your neighbor, your, your relative, um, that God would open the door and give you a, a door of utterance. That's what we're talking about here. And, uh, and be able to pray uh, for that opportunity. And I believe God will open that door for you. So praying for the salvation of the lost is working with God to accomplish his purpose. You talk about something you know you can work with God and you're on the same page. So let's meditate on some verses about that. Let's go, we're, since we're in Colossians, let's just go to Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, uh, and do it in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And then verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Chapter 4 verse 1, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Jesus is our master. And uh, we already read those verses, so we'll keep going. Uh, but then Second Peter chapter 3, this is the verse that Ron quoted from. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Here's one of the, the key verses that, that tell us that we are, we are confident in God's will for people. And that is Second Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing that any should perish. Don't fall for that teaching that's out there that God uh, has determined to, for people to go to hell. God has certainly determined for people in general to go to hell, people who reject him, but God does not desire for anyone to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12, Romans 14, and verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. He's our master. Uh, we're to serve him. We're to, we're to live for him. And he, we, we will stand before him. If you're a Christian, you will stand before him one day. We will give an account for what we've done with our life. So we need to meditate on those things and meditate on what God would have us to do. Obviously, he'd have us to preach the gospel to every creature. So what one believes about God is revealed by how he treats other people, especially those who have been placed under his charge. You have a master in heaven, and you will give an account of how you influence the people he has put in your life. Uh, if you're a boss, if you happen to be over people, uh, you have a responsibility. To, if you are a parent, you have a responsibility. If you are a pastor, you have a responsibility. There's things that God will hold you accountable to. We will all give an account. Uh, the little the little girl with the pink dress over here. She doesn't have the same accountability as some of us do, but she's she's going to give an account of her life uh, someday. And we all and before Jesus Christ, and He will ask us why we didn't take opportunity or why we didn't do what we were supposed to do uh, as God would have us to do it. And so we need to recognize whether you're the youngest or the oldest in the room, we have a responsibility to uh, obey God and obey, obey our master because we will stand before him someday. So on page 42 and 43, we see several points. And we already read in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. And I mentioned that already, but Colossians 4, 2 again, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, praying continually for the salvation of the lost. We must watch and give thanks while we are continuing to pray. We all can think of someone who needs to be saved, and maybe we're praying for someone right now. But let's not stop, let's not forget 
to stop and to say, Lord, thank you for the one you saved last year or the one that you saved last month, the one that you saved 10 years ago, and to give thanks. And we need to remember that he's already answered prayers in that regard. And uh, maybe you have a child that got saved recently and what a blessing that was and, uh, or a neighbor or whoever it might be. So praying continually, never stopping, but also to give thanksgiving while we are praying. Always do that. Then Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 uh, says here, verse 1, And after these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest, that he would send forth more laborers. You know, we need to be praying that God will continue to send forth more. And usually when you start praying like that, God will tell you about how you should be laboring as well. And so the need for praying for more laborers. Immediately after appointing 70 disciples to go and preach the kingdom of God, our Lord commanded them to pray. And we cannot effectively go with the gospel until we are praying. We should not go without praying. We should pray before we go and as we go. So we should pray always and be a matter of prayer in our, in our going uh, for the Lord. So praying continually and then pray that God would open unto us the door. As I mentioned already there in Colossians chapter 4 again, verses 3 and 4 this time. We keep going back to Colossians. I should probably just stick my finger in it. But Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4. With all having, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, <clears throat> that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak it. Paul was in prison. He was a prisoner. Sometimes it was house arrest. Sometimes it was a dungeon. But he was a prisoner. And while he was a prisoner, he was praying that God would give him opportunity. He said, well, why would he pray for that? There's nobody there but the guards. Yeah, and the guards need to get saved. And if you read the different epistles of Paul, you realize that there were some in Caesar's house that had gotten saved. In other words, Paul was witnessing to the people who were, who were incarcerating him. And we know of other stories. Uh, Richard Wormbrand and other people who were tortured and suffered for Christ in prison and God used them. It's said of, I think it's Richard Wormbrand, that they would have to rotate the guards often because if they didn't, he would start to break them down with the truth of the gospel. And so they had to try to keep rotating guards in and out to keep them from becoming converted to Christ. Um, Praying that God would open unto us a door of utterance. I want God to open a door of utterance. I want God to help me to have an open door of opportunity to pray, to preach the gospel, to tell people the gospel. And so praying that God would not only do a work in my life, but he'd also work in their life so that their hearts would be open to receive it, that we would start praying for that other person who needs to have the gospel presented. Think about somebody that, I, that I'm associated with throughout the week in my school bus driving that... Uh, that is starting to talk more, not about spheres things, but just talking in general and the opportunity to speak, to to share the gospel with them. I've tried before inviting them to church, but you know, inviting people to church is not saving them. It's a great thing if they come to church and hopefully they'll hear the gospel when they come. But, you know, sometimes we just need to realize they're not coming. And so we need to take the gospel to them right there where we where we are, where they are. And uh, that God would open the door of opportunity for that. Paul was a man of faith who prayed the right way. He understood how little he could do. 
and that nothing was impossible with God. So often we think, oh, it's the great apostle Paul. Here, you're a great salesman. You're, you, you talk to him. No, it's, it's the same God for all of us. And it's just a matter of us trusting God and not in our sales pitch or in our ability to speak. God will use and has used uh, anyone, and he wants to use you and I. So praying continually, praying that God would open us the door. And then thirdly, at the bottom of the page, pray that God would enable us to speak as we ought. Again, that's the same verses there. Verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. You know, that's a very important request. Sometimes we speak, but we don't necessarily say the right things. Meditate on this expression, as I ought to speak. Like a surgeon with a divine knife in his hand, there's a difference between a surgeon and a butcher. There's a difference between someone who knows how to delicately use the knife, the word of God, to rightly divide versus hacking. And so the Holy Ghost probes our hearts. We must pray with the psalmist, cleanse me and search me. A lot of praying is really about ourselves. Let's look at those two passages in Psalms. Psalm 51 and Psalm 139. These are verses that we need to recognize as important for us. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, Psalm 51 verse 2, and cleanse me from my sin. We all need a constant cleansing and purging in our lives. That will make a huge difference in our effectiveness if we'll realize we got issues. Sure, we're saved. Sure, we might not be as quote-unquote bad as so-and-so, but we've got issues. We've got sin. We've got selfishness. We have pride. We have all kinds of things. And Lord, search me and know my heart. So Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so praying that God would enable us as to speak as we ought. You know, sometimes we say things and we say the absolute wrong thing and we say it in the wrong way with the wrong tone, whatever it might be. And that's a problem then that now creates a, 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 another excuse for them because of how a Christian treated them or whatever it might be. If God opens the door and there is a moment of utterance, I want to be waiting, expecting, watching, praying, and believing God. Anybody here ever have that moment of opportunity, but you weren't right with God and you just knew it? You weren't focused? You, you weren't, maybe you just got done arguing with your spouse and then your, your neighbor had this, there was a perfect opportunity, but you're, you're angry and unable you, you've, you, you're not right yourself to be able to deliver the message. We need to always be ready, waiting and expecting and watching and praying and believing God. And so uh, that God would enable us that we can speak what we ought to speak at the right time. So praying continually, praying um, for the open door, praying for the enabling to be speaking as we ought and, uh, and that we would ask God, trust him to give us <clears throat> uh, uh, a clean heart that we can be right before him in all things. Um, and the box says, prayer is an expression of our faith in God. And Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you when everything's going just right. And I need you when things aren't going right. 
We all think we need him when things aren't going right, but I need him all the time. I need him every day. Uh, I need him. I need you to help me, Lord, not to be proud and to be arrogant, not to be selfish and and self-centered and have tunnel vision and not recognize the opportunity you've given me right here and now because I'm so self-centered and self-focused and self-absorbed that I don't see it. And then pray that God would help us walk in wisdom. Back there in Colossians again, verse 4, excuse, verse 5, Colossians chapter 4, and this time verse 5. Colossians 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Um, Walk in wisdom. What does that mean toward them that are without? There's an expression there toward them that are without. And obviously that expression toward them that are without is the idea of them that are without Christ. Walk in wisdom. What does that mean? How, how big of a deal is it, this, this argument, this issue, this problem, how big of a deal is it as opposed to having an open door for the future? How big of a deal is it to burn the bridge so that so that we'll never have another opportunity to share the gospel. How big of a deal is it? Uh, I realize it's just a story, but if there's a video in our library called uh, The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry. It's just a story, but it's a story based on real true stories. And this man, Jonathan Sperry, had lost his wife in a car accident. And it was a tragedy. It was a tragedy because the drunk driver was at fault and his beautiful precious wife was killed he was an older man so he lived the, lived the remaining years of his life as a widow grieving but you don't know the secret of Jonathan Sperry till you get to the end of the movie and I'm spoiling it for you is that right across the street was the drunk driver in other words his neighbor was the one who had done it his neighbor was the man involved and and yet Jonathan Sperry did not did not allow the emotion and anger to ruin the opportunity. In fact, hired a boy to mow his lawn and to mow that neighbor's lawn. Jonathan Sperry eventually died. The neighbor realized who had been paying that boy to mow his grass, and the neighbor uh, had a soft heart towards the Lord because of it. Now, what's the point? Walk with wisdom toward them that are without. Jonathan Sperry could live the remaining years of his life in bitterness towards the drunk driver, or he could realize the drunk driver needs to be saved. And what good is it to to hate him into hell because of our anger that his actions killed our loved one? Pray that God would help us walk in wisdom. That's That's our world, man. I mean, you and I have all kinds of stuff that's not right. Never has customer service been more lousy than it is now in my lifetime anyway, in my observation. Never have, been, have people been more selfish and, 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 and um, never have people not lived up to their word as, as it seems right now. Walk with wisdom toward them that are without. Never have we had, had so much frustrations and problems and irritations um, there's just all kinds of stuff that happens. And sometimes, you know, there's just weird stuff. I've told the story before about a neighbor who, who shortly after we moved into our home, we had our German shepherd, not the one we have now, but our old, our old lady. 
and uh lady was used to 14 acres and we were moving into one acre and uh, we were having a hard time getting her to understand that the new perimeter is just this acre and uh, she loved people and she loved to play and our neighbor would walk her little tiny fluffy on a leash and lady saw that and just couldn't help herself and bolted across the yard and of course our big german shepherd just wants to play and so she's playing with the little poodle and the little poodle's going around the owner and so the lady's going around the owner the poodle's going around the owner and the leash is going around the owner and pretty soon uh the little poodle has her owner all wrapped up nice and tight and she just falls over and then lady of course uh licks her to death and uh our dogs if if you don't know this they'll jump up on you if they think they can get away with it and of course we smack them and tell them not to and if you come over and visit please do us a favor and bop her in the nose and don't let them jump on you but lady knew that this neighbor didn't know the rule so she jumped up on her to lick her face and uh and then when she fell over all wrapped up like a christmas present from the leash you know she's all panicked as this great big german shepherd is attacking her and trying to kill her really just licking her face so the neighbor went inside called the authorities deputy whoever and reported that our dog tried to kill her and um and that you know our dog was now impounded and we need to pay so much money and um it was frustrating because we knew that lady didn't ever attack anybody and so we went down there and i said look i don't mind paying for the fine because my dog was off of our property but i just don't want it on the record that our dog was trying to kill her or attack her our dog's a nice dog and uh, so then it, it wasn't but a week later, I think it was a week later, Fluffy was on our porch, on our deck. Her Fluffy on our deck. You know what I was thinking, right? You know the emotions going through my mind? It's revenge time. It's time to send Fluffy to the pound. Fluffy uh, almost attacked me and killed me. Um, and uh, And yet, no, instead we didn't call the deputy... We just called the neighbor and said, hey, Fluffy's over here. And, you know, we developed a relationship with that neighbor, and we, we introduced the, our lady dog to her, and, and everything was good. And I still had to pay that fine, you know, but everything was good, and um, everything was a lot better. And it wasn't but a few months later that she called, and she said, my husband is dying. Would you come talk to him? And so we went over and visited with him and prayed with him, and he trusted Christ as a Savior. And that lady is still alive. He passed away, but she's still alive. We, we, we're we going to visit her this afternoon, as a matter of fact, um, at one of the homes here in town. And, you know, we, had, we need to learn to walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. There's only so much time. And we need to be careful that we have some wisdom in how we deal with people. And, yeah, things aren't fair and things aren't always, uh, you know, as they should be. But what's the wisdom in all that? How should we treat people? What's the what's the bottom line? There's always going to be things that we're going to have to overlook and indiscretions and things like that. What's important here? What's the big picture? Is it such a big deal? I realize sometimes people show up in church and maybe they smell bad. But is it really worth it to tell them they smell bad? Especially in an ugly, unkind way? Maybe they're offensive in some way. But would you rather offend them and they never come back or to walk with wisdom toward them that are without to recognize what's the big picture here maybe they've offended you and some maybe there's someone somewhere listen walk in wisdom if i try to speak without walking in wisdom 
my words will fall on deaf ears. In fact, I'll, I'll defeat the purpose. I'll shoot myself in the foot. Our talk and our walk must be the same. Consider our Lord's example in Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. See, that's that same expression. Toward them that are without. Unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. They don't understand. They don't have the ability to understand. And so it does no good to get angry at them for what they don't understand. If I'm talking to someone about life in general and they start talking to me about the liberal agendas and about this and that or or maybe they start talking about the vaccine and how they've saved so many people's lives because they've taken the vaccine and they wear the mask faithfully let me tell you something my job is to preach the gospel to every creature not talk and argue about the vaccine i'd rather win them to heaven than to than to have an argument with them if they'll get saved, God will change their heart and their mind about trusting in God more than the government. We need to recognize what's important here because them that are without Jesus said, I have to talk to them in parables because they're just dense. They don't understand. They are without the Holy Spirit. They don't have salvation. And so pray that God would help us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without who don't get it. They don't get it, not because they're just uneducated but because they're not spiritually alive and that's that's the deal here so with wisdom walk with wisdom toward them that are without and then also praying that our speech would be full of grace and truth now back in colossians chapter four i love the way this is written i just love the bible and i love how it's written colossians chapter four that's been our main passage today Again, chapter 4, verse number 6 this time. Let your speech be always with grace. So what, what should it always have? Graciousness. But should it just be grace? Should it just be sweetener? No. It needs to be seasoned with something. Now notice it doesn't say, let your speech be always with salt and seasoned with a little grace. I've been guilty of that. Heavy on the salt light on the grace the bible says heavy on the grace but also seasoned with salt let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man if the subject of vaccines or masks comes up this is just an example just popped into my head earlier today but if it came up i'm not going to lie and say yeah i think i agree i think you're right you're saying no i would say you know you know the reason why i i'm not afraid is because i know who's in charge i know who the creator is i know that even if i die i know where i'm going and i believe that ultimately he's in charge of my days he knows my expiration date and he'll not allow me to expire before that date And back when this country had more belief in God, we didn't have all this crazy rules and nonsense because we just believed. And I would try to, I would try to graciously explain to them that I understand your concern. It's just that I have God. 
And, and really, folks, that's the problem today. People, the biggest God people have is the government. They've been raised to believe that that's who takes care of us. Did you know it's not the president's job to make sure the economy is okay? It's not the president's job. When did that start? That, that's not, that's, that's, that's the private sector. But see, every, we've been brainwashed. Free breakfast, free lunch, and now free dinner. That's what kids are being taught. Everything is, everything is, everything comes from God, the government. That's how they think. So I need to, I need to understand, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do any good to beat them over the head with something they don't even understand, but rather to show them, I have a, I have a different source. I have a different resource. I have a different government. <laughs> that's God. I have a different boss, master, protector. And that's why I'm not acting or doing such and such. So let your speech always be great. But don't forget to season it with salt. Don't be just so syrupy sweet that you're never giving any truth out. We need to give the truth out. But we need to be, as Jesus was, it says in John chapter 114, he was full of grace and truth. What a, what a, what a perfect balance. Uh, mercy and truth, what a wonderful thing when they're together. We are gracious and merciful to people in their, in their ignorance, but we never compromise truth. We just don't beat people up with it. We want to graciously apply it. Uh, you want that with a doctor. If you got a doctor, and maybe they're talking to you right now about some, about some major thing in your life, you want a doctor who is balanced. You don't want a doctor who just says, you don't have cancer. That other doctor was wrong. Just enjoy your life. I love that. Wow, what an awesome doctor. I don't he's lying it sounds wonderful except he's lying now what we want is a balance we know that's what we want and so what what do you think people need? Same thing. We we need to recognize, and Jesus understood that. And in Luke chapter four verse twenty two, it says, "And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth." And they said, "Is not this Joseph's son?" Now there were times when Jesus he said, "You are a whited sepulcher. You are of your father the devil." You and he 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 nailed some people, but they were people who knew the truth and were just rebelling to it. But people who are just ignorant and who are not aware, we need to have the wisdom to know the difference and to recognize the difference that's there. If someone were to come to our hope ministry on Friday night and uh, they're just looking for help, I'm not going to take a club and beat them over the head and say, I'll tell you what your problem is. You just don't know God. If you knew God, you wouldn't have all these problems. But rather to graciously try to share with them hey, we're here to help you. That's why this ministry exists. That's why we are here on Friday night. But over time to share with them, look, you know why I don't have this issue in my life? I'll tell you, it's not me. It is not me. But it's God has 
God has filled that gap, so I don't need to fill it with something else. God makes up the difference in my life, and God is the one who sustains me and to graciously and patiently share with people and help them along the way. So we have to be gracious. It needs to be full of grace and truth, but not forget that people gravitate to graciousness. They they gravitate uh, to someone who cares, as it, as it has been said over and over again, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I mentioned smelling bad. Nobody in here that I know of smells bad. I couldn't tell anyway. I got a cold. But let's say someone did smell bad. There's got to be a gracious way to handle that. There's got to be a polite and gracious way to deal with that without hurting their feelings and to maybe sacrifice some pleasant time because it does smell bad but your desire is to graciously help them there's another wonderful video on our shelf it's called A Man Called Norman haven't watched it for a long time need need to show it again it's about a man whose neighbor was horribly rancid Hadn't bathed for years. Backward as could be, awkward, weird. What a slob, what a pigsty. But God impressed upon this man's heart, who was a Christian, to love that neighbor. And it graciously turned his life around. Truth was truth, but he was gracious about it. Pray that our speech will be full of grace and truth. Our speech must be seasoned with salt. Salt represents the truth God wants us to emphasize. Salt creates thirst. You know, too much salt is going to be repelled, but just enough salt will create thirst. And salt stops corruption as well. My desire, my life should be that people become more thirsty for truth because of the salt, not not repelling it. And it also needs to be a, a life that is pure because there is salt and it fights the infection. If our speech is seasoned with salt, we will speak in a way that creates a thirst and others for what we have. And that's our desire. That should be our prayer request, that we just ask God, Lord, please help me to say it the right way. And maybe to apologize and be humble and say, you know, neighbor, I apologize to you for how I treated you last week or how we had that argument and I said this and I am so sorry. And maybe that's what's necessary to start the conversation in the right direction. Uh, But pray that God would help you with that because I know this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if we would recognize he's already on board with it, we just got to get out of the way and be right with him so that he can use us to win that person to him. There is no impossible person out there. There's only people who seem to be impossible. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to witness each and every week. Help us to be a witness not just with our words of truth, but with our words of grace, with our our everyday conduct. It would be gracious and that we would be patient, that we would be forgiving and loving and that we would uh, recognize that they are without and they just don't get it, they don't understand. So help us to patiently, graciously, humbly realize if it wasn't for your grace, we could be them. We could be in their shoes. So help us to speak with grace, seasoned with salt, but always gracious and kind, bringing people to you.
and that you would answer our prayers that they would be saved we know you want them to be saved help us to be as loving and as patient with them as you are we ask in jesus name amen